Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike here with McLean and Jay. Fellas, it's a somber, somber occasion. U.S. loss again. But first, to our listeners, uh, we apologize we're doing this late this week. Uh, some scheduling issues Monday. I'm currently sick, fighting through it. So hopefully I'll, I'll try to mute when I sniffle, blow my nose or cough right now. But body's just body's just a little run down, worn down. So uh, I asked the fellas to move this to a Wednesday night yesterday since I took a big shot of NyQuil at about 8.15 last night and went to bed. It's like being on the first tee, you're sandbagging already, looking for shots, looking for sympathy. No, I'm just I'm just telling you, if I accidentally cough into the microphone and I forget to mute it, I apologize. I'm just kind of get a preemptive apology out there to the listeners. Look at you. I already had a 45 minute discussion on handicaps here. So, Mike, what are you what are you, what are you playing with right now? What, what handicap are you as a as a host for a podcast? Are you a five? Um, I'm like a six. That's probably a ten. <laughs> Good old reverse sandbagger. Never seen any of those. The old van, it's the old Vandy handicap. Oh, I, I mean, I guess it all depends on what I, what what's my handicap when I host this podcast when I'm 100% healthy. So I guess that should be where we start. That's kind of the baseline. I don't know what that baseline is. I have to let the viewers uh, comment <laughs> that on might, that. That might be the six. That's really a 10. And right now I'm at a 15. <laughs> yeah, you are about a 15 when we talk rollback. Sound like you're in the golf industry. <laughs> All right, we're not doing that tonight. I definitely don't have that mental capacity. So I'm trying to save it all to just bitch about the U.S. team. Uh, what are What are you guys drinking? I'm not. I'm on water. So yeah, I'm, I've got I've got Russell's Russell's uh, Russell's uh, Reserve. I'm okay. on. Uh, I'm in a hotel in Knoxville, and I'm putting back the number one beer in the country, Modelo's. Wow. <laughs> Cheating on Corona, number one. They don't have it. Yeah, Modelo's the number one, which is baffling to me. Really, it's the number one beer in the in the U.S. One beer in the United States. Yeah, look it up. Which country are you talking about? Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) look it up. It is. I mean, I do love it. I'm not going to lie, but but I just didn't think it was the number one. I I, I'm still blown away by that fact. After the Bud Light tragedy. Um, Modelo has taken over as the number one wow. beer in the United States, which baffles me that Miller or Coors didn't automatically take that over. I would have thought that it would have, but Modelo came from you know came from the bottom. Now they're here. <laughs> Man, you learn something new every day, Jay. Look it up. I'm I didn't know that. Look it up. It's the most frequently purchased beer in the United States currently. Just like Jay learned before this podcast that he's a plus three handicap at a minimum, even though he disagrees with it. I'm not a plus three. No, I'm not going to say I wasn't ever a plus, three. A plus yes. three. You're you're a plus five. <laughs> Sand bag and bag of dicks. Yeah. Just we'll get, we'll, we'll get into that next week. Out of <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's get into this shit show, huh? So, Ryder Cup recap show. U.S. loses again on foreign soil. I I have so much to say about this. I don't even know where to start. So I don't know. I, I so here's where I'm going to say. I'm going to give you a list of reasons they lost, with the more important ones at the top. And this list is about. I typed it up. It's about 12 points long. 
Okay. I'm going to preface this with, but they just won the Ryder Cup by 10 points two years ago. So I don't think it's like, let's break up the band, change everything how we do this. Like I, there's been some stories and articles and golf uh, channel reports, like what's wrong with the United States team? I'm like, well, do we did we forget that they just won by 10 two years ago? So here's where I will put the blame pie at. How I how I view this Ryder Cup, and then you guys can respond however you want. Number one, they just needed to play better. Plain and simple. That's number one. Always. Just, just, Always. Pl- just play better. Strokes gain. Look at the strokes gain number, which isn't great in, in match play, especially the foursomes. If you got a guy hacking out of the rough when his, his buddy puts it there, he's not going to have a good strokes gain number approach on that. So the data is not perfect in the Ryder Cup. But seven of the top 10 in strokes gained were Europeans. Then you had the number one player in the world coming off a historic year paired with a five-time major champion that is a man's man. Pressure never gets to him. Fucking boat raced. And one member of that team was a kid who's never experienced major pressure and they lose nine and seven. So right there, it tells me, just boys, just just play better. I yeah. I did not like Zach Johnson's week. I did not like his pairings. I did not like him at the microphone. I don't think he's a fantastic leader. I don't think he's a motivator. But still, boys, just play better. Zach Johnson's on the list for those kind of three reasons that I I said. But just just play better. I think the other big thing, probably ahead of Zach Johnson, I would say is rust. These guys had five weeks off. Would they ever prepare for a major with five weeks off? No. The Euros played in some events. All 12 of them played at the BMW two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They all played well. They were coming in with a little momentum, had dusted some of the rust off. Were the Americans, Scotty Scheffler's making putter changes. Normally, I would say that's a, a dumb idea, but he really couldn't get much worse than what he has been putting. But like five weeks is a long time. I think I think that's. Uh, I'm going to let you finish, but I okay. just want to say I think that is. I think that's way up on the list in terms of it goes right along with play better, which is really when in, in the end of the day you can have a captain that can, you know, be not a great motivator and kind of weird, quirky. Like I don't really like this captain; he's a weirdo. Like I, he doesn't get me excited. He's kind of weird. He seems like he just. I don't want. To, I don't use the word lies, but. He's not truthful when he's given his his commentary and answering yeah. questions. I'm like what? What you just said the same thing four times in a row, um, saying that this is the first I've heard of it. First I've heard of it. I'm like you can't keep saying this is the first I've heard of it because yeah. you obviously heard it already. So, but again, that aside, play better is number one. But in order in order to play better, you can't wait five weeks to get ready. Play, I mean, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Because we we know when it comes down to rankings. Both teams are pretty equal when it comes to rankings. We've got our top guys. They've got their top guys, although we'll, we'll get into it. I think they probably were a little bit more top-heavy than us, given the, the circumstances of our top couple players. But needless to say, if you only play, you know, you know, if you don't play anything in f- for five weeks leading up to this tournament, how good are you going to play? You know, the only guy that I've ever seen that could go five weeks at a time and not play in tournaments and still compete and win is, you know, who? I mean, the guy who plays 15 weeks a year. He's got a broken leg. He's got a broken leg. 
Yeah. He's got a broken leg and he's not playing. He's currently <laughs> caddying for Charlie right now. Yeah. But let, so, go ahead. and then a, a few of the other points. the other smaller points that I think are down the list, but they're on the if you're gonna make a pie chart, right? The blame pie, they're on the chart. They're just down there. I think the course fit wasn't great. I think the Euros did a great job of setting up this golf course just to play in their small advantages. It wasn't a ton if you look at some of the data, but it was just enough on top of the Americans not playing well. Because I think, kind of going back to not playing well, I think to win a Ryder Cup on foreign soil, regardless of the side, everything has to go so perfect. We've now seen five consecutive blowouts to the home team in the Ryder Cup. And so I think that away team, they have to play awesome. They have to knock every pairing out of the park. They have to catch some breaks. The course has got to like it just I think it's just what we're looking at now with how this has just been passed back and forth, depending on on home soil. Everything has to go so perfect. I do think the Europeans culture is better. I do think they care more, want it more. Not to say the Americans don't care, but they have a bad culture. I just think the Europeans want it more. They just care about it a little bit more. And I think the President's Cup has something to do with it. I think if they got rid of the President's Cup, it would favor the American team in the Ryder Cup because it's like yeah. every year, all right, we got to do this again. We got to get go to the gala and we got to do all this press. And it's not that cool to the Americans anymore because they do it every year where Europeans, they have to wait two years. And they yeah. let that, that loss at... Uh, whistling straight, just fester with them for two years, where the Americans do it every year. They beat the piss out of the international team every other year, and it's just not as special an event because they feel like they do it every year. When uh, was the last time that the internationals beat the U.S. in the Presidents' Cup? So the '90s, I think. I mean, it's like come when, on, in the like early two thousands when they tied. Right, they had that in South Africa. They tied. It's like, yeah, that's when Ernie Els and Tiger went on that, which that was pretty fun to watch. But I mean, that was yeah. 20 years ago, 20, whatever, 20 years ago. Like, so, I mean, if, if, you, if you win this, if you win it over and over and over, it's like, all right, let's just, hey, this is the last year we're going to do the President's Cup. <laughs> Speed down yeah. with it. I mean, the PJ Tour makes too much money off of it to ever say that. Yeah. You're done with it. The competition's not there. No. So anyways, those those were my my kind of big points of what I what I saw this week. Again, do I think... It's really like blow it up kind of stuff. Not really, because again, they just won two years ago. Like we're not in panic mode. Like if we lose three Ryder Cups in a row, yeah, then it might be time to blow it up and try to figure out a different way about this. But they just played bad with a lot of rust. Look, you didn't have the leader that we needed out of Zach Johnson. He wasn't there. He's a he's a good guy. He's not a leader. He's not a dog. Um, has a a bunch of very questionable pairings. He sat some guys that really didn't make sense, especially in, you know, you look at Brooks Kepka got sat early. Ricky sat for three rounds or three matches back to back. Ricky's arguably one of the hotter players on the planet right now. And he's literally the easiest guy to play with. You could almost pair him with anyone. And they have a good rapport. We didn't have it. We didn't have that leadership that we need. Someone brought up a great point to me over the last few days to say, I don't know that Zach motivated these guys to go and play for him. He just He's not that guy. You know, Zach, a great guy. I'm not taking anything away from Zach, but he's not that guy that people are 
you know, digging down deep to please. You know, Zach's a, an easygoing Midwestern guy. Like I said, I don't have anything negative to say about Zach personally. But when you look at a guy like, uh, for example, you know, a future captain, which we all know is going to happen, Tiger Woods, these guys are going to dig deep to play good for Tiger. And I will go ahead and say right now, he should not be the captain at the next Ryder Cup. He should be the captain at the next Ryder Cup that's on European soil. To, Actually, to, Two uh, matches from now, he should be that guy that goes over there and gives us the ability to motivate and do something when we're back on European soil. Um, right now, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in two years. I think Stuart Sink, Justin Leonard, those guys look like they're they're potentially going to be the next picks. Um, there, there's a small handful of other guys that could potentially be in there, but it looks like to me. Um, based off of everything we've seen, that you know, Stuart Sink is kind of that next guy in waiting. And I'm good with that. I like Stu. I think he's a good guy. I think he's going to have the benefit of playing on American soil, and we know how the American fans are. And they're going to go in there, and they're going to win. Um, but when you go play on European soil, you no. have, you got to have a dog. <laughs> Can't be a cat. And I think that's where Tiger is going to help motivate this team. And I think they're going to get it done. But Zach had a bunch of very questionable pairings. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't the right fit for this Ryder Cup. On the backside of that, not to take anything away from Europe, they played incredible. They played golf. awesome. Matt Fitzpatrick. On what was it Saturday? Made like a hundred foot of putts on the front nine. I mean, it was absolutely absurd. Uh, the buzzsaw that they ran into. Uh, Max Homa, I thought, played great. I thought yeah, what awesome. he did in his debut was absolutely incredible and is certainly deserving of you know future consideration, considering that he keeps up his game where it needs to be. I think. Ultimately, you know, the guys got beat. It's not that we totally just gave it away. They got beat. They got outplayed. Um, but I don't know that they had the motivation in the clubhouse that they needed at the end of the day. I also think that with the pairings, I think they got a little too much into the buddy system. Yeah, why, why did he keep Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas together? Now, granted, I, J Justin Thomas went one, two, and one. He, he only only one one and a half points, but he there's a the chance that he could have maybe squeaked out two two and a half points had he not been playing with Jordan Spieth. Oh, Jordan Jordan Spieth hit three balls in the water that first day on the last four holes, and two of them were wedges. I think like the guy was playing bad. Like sit his ass, you know. Sorry, I know you're Jordan Spieth, but you're playing like shit. And when you sit Ricky Fowler, why the hell did you make the captain's pick for him if you're not going to play him? You know, I mean, and, and same thing with the other guys. You know, Sam Burns, three matches, you know, one, one, two, and you no. Know, like the, of the captain's picks, and I'm going to throw Brian Harmon. Obviously, he was at the top of that list. He went, he went two, two, and no. Uh, you go down Justin Thomas, he won one and a half points. Brooks Kepka, one and a half points. Sam Burns, one point. Uh, Jordan Spieth, one point. That's with two, two halves. Ricky Fowler only played two matches. He won zero points. I mean, those guys didn't perform. Now, granted, 
some of those guys were going to make the team regardless, and you had to pick them. And there were some guys that he made, obviously, some judgment calls, and Justin Thomas was one of them. And, I, you know, honestly, I didn't think he played – he didn't play great, obviously, but he didn't play that bad. I think he lost a couple of matches because he had a bad partner and and Jordan Spieth. And so that's what you were talking about with that buddy system. Like, look, I get it. You give him one, two, one match. They didn't play well. You give him the second match. Like, hey, man, we're going to shake this up. This isn't working. It's not working. Well, let's, I, let's- yeah, I heard a – I think ultimately you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you can't really fault Justin for losing some of the matches with Spieth, especially on Friday with Jordan, when Jordan was absent on the back nine. Yeah, he was and in his pocket the whole absent. time. Justin is playing by himself and put up a damn good fight. I mean, put up a damn good fight, made some really clutch putts, some incredible up and downs, quite frankly. I don't know if you watched it, but some incredible yeah. up and downs. But he should have been paired with Ricky on Saturday, and Ricky's on the bench all day. That made no sense to me. Jordan is obviously a little bit outside of you know his game right this second, and you have Jordan who's playing pretty well, and then you've got I'm sorry, not Jordan. You have Justin who's playing pretty well, and then you've got Ricky Fowler, arguably one of the hotter players on the planet. We know those guys are buddies too. Spring break, we all saw the pictures. They're still very good friends. Put. Uh, Ricky and Justin together and let them go out there and get a point. I mean, I, I agree with you. They relied on that pairing the entire week. And, it and, I, and we, we were questioning for the listeners. We were questioning all these pairings like before they played the match. Thursday night, those foursomes pairings came out and the three of us were texting. We're like, we don't like these. Like I, I understand Burns and, and Scheffler are good buddies, but you put them together in four ball. Sam Burns is the weakest ball striker on the U.S. team leading into the Ryder Cup, yeah. and you put him in a foursomes match. Statistically, he is. Statistically. Yep. And you put him on a foursomes match because he's buddies with Scotty Scheffler. Oh, like, hey, man, you're, I know you're not going to play well here. You're a, you're, a, you're a four ball guy. Like, make your five birdies, make your six bogeys, and then let's, let's go. Um, but, I, again, I think it – I'm not trying to point fingers at, again, like we said, play better. The players play better. Then, you know, it, it's then it, it, everything takes care of itself. But if it if it's close, which it it kind of was, even to, on, on the in the last round or the the singles matches, had Scotty Scheffler pulled out that win against John Rahm and not split with him, there was some momentum there. We were leading in nine of the twelve matches. So if if your first guy gets out, your best player in your team goes out and, and snags a point, you get the momentum the from the other guys. What's that? Off of Rom too, that would have given yeah. everyone like oh, right, a little boost. Go. So it was closer than it, it was closer on that last day. Had we, you know, it would have been still been tough. But it, you, all you want is all you want to do is get it close and on that last day and those last singles matches. But my point to the beginning of that is that that's the problem with a with a captain. You've got to have this is different. I mean these all these guys are individual players, and now we're having we're having to make some coaching decisions. I don't know what Zach Johnson's experience is with team play and and playing on a team sports. It doesn't seem like he, if he did play, he he hadn't didn't have any experience coaching and making. You have to make a tough call. Hey, you know, Jordan. I mean, I love you, man. You're playing. You're you're a great player. You're not playing well. I gave you two matches, man. I'm going to let somebody else come in who's playing better. And I don't think Jordan really deep down he would have been like, you know, that sucks. I want to play, but I'm played like shit the first two days. Somebody else is going to go in for me. That's the way it goes. 
as a coach, you have to make those hard calls. And he didn't make them. It was almost like he was afraid to hurt anybody's feelings. And he let these guys, these buddies play together. I'm like, hey, dude, you're the coach. You tell them who's playing. You know, you say, hey, you're, you're playing better. You're playing with this guy. You guys go figure it out. I'll, I'll give you one shot to play with your buddy. Um, but again, you made a good point, like pairing Scheffler and, and, and Burns in the foursomes matches. Stupid. Yeah. I'm in a four ball in the afternoon on Friday. Well, but, I heard, I heard a stats guy say there's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, an argument to be made to split up Cantley and Xander because they're two of your best drivers of the golf ball. So don't put them on the same team, split them up. And I, I know I said it last week and I forget the order. There was, it was set up to have your best driver on the even or odd holes and your best iron player with the way the par threes worked. And there, and this guy was like, his name's Joseph Lamagna, who does some stuff with the Friday golf. He was like, they didn't set up like three of these four teams for foursomes were not set up this way right out of the gate. Like he's like, you made, yeah, Xander and Cantlay are, are butt buddies, but split those drivers of the golf ball up, give them a good iron player. They're two or your top three drivers of the golf ball. Like, what are we doing? In the grand scheme of things, you know, when you're playing these team matches, like you said, you, you have to have somebody that looks at the numbers. It's like money ball with, you know, the Oakland athletics. Like you have to pay attention to that. You have to add that factor that in. You can't just say this guy, you know, has the, he, he meets the eye test. He looks good. These guys like each other. They're going to play well together. But when you, when you do the numbers statistically, these two guys won't play well together because of the way that they, you know, drive the ball or put the ball or lack thereof. Like you have to say, Hey, you know what? I think these two guys are going to be good together. And then you pair them together in your practice rounds and tell the guys, like you have to tell them, this is what we're going to do. These guys are going to play together. I want you guys to, uh, th this is like a pod. Like you three guys are going to match well together and you guys are going to play in, in our practice rounds. And you're going to get to know each other and play. Yeah. I know you like this guy. I know you like this guy, but these two guys are going to be better players together. And you just, when you're on team, you say, you accept it. Say, coach, you tell me what to do. I'll do or it. Even, Let's win. Whatever it takes. Even put three guys and be like, okay, two of you are going to play together. Whoever We're going to ride the hot hand. It, we might exactly. drop one of you. You know, like the whole, um, you know, then I thought Zach panicked. And Saturday morning, he put Scheffler and Kepka together. But they were never, in all their discussions, they were never planned to play together. They never practiced together. They never talked about playing together. Allegedly, they were both shocked Friday night when they said, hey, you're playing together tomorrow morning. They're like, oh, okay, well, we didn't plan for this at all. So yeah. all of a sudden, the data went out the window and he was flying off. And that's kind of what we talked about last week, right? Once you get that lead, you can kind of dictate it and you can just kind of stick with your game plan and go where the other team has to start throwing shit against yeah. the wall to see what happens. Yeah, yeah I would but, love to see Kepka Homa, Kepka Fowler. I think those have been really good mixes. Um Kepka did not get put in the best situation. Uh, we didn't use him to our benefit. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at the Euros. Like, these guys, they just, especially when they're on home soil and they have that backing, they just rise to the occasion. They all get better than they are in a full season, right? Like, not only did they get the contribution they needed from their studs, I mean, their top five guys, like, and you said this earlier, Jay, they were better from a top-heavy standpoint. You know, by the numbers, you can say the U.S. team on on paper going into it was the deeper team because you had guys like Hoygaard and Aberg and Bobby McIntyre who were way down the world rankings list. Um, but their top guys, 
I mean, listen to these records for their top guys. Their top five guys just absolutely dominated. Dominated. Gary McElroy, four and one. Terrell Hatton, three zero and one. Victor Hovland, three zero and one. Tommy Fleetwood, three one and zero. John Rahm, two zero and two. Like they only lost two matches. They only lost two matches of the. Let's say they played five, four plus four. That's thirteen plus another four, seventeen, and then Rahm played four. Twenty one matches. They lost two matches. Well, that's not really twenty one because some of them were paired together, but. That's true. Because actually, if you want to make it even sound better for them, the the two losses you're talking about was actually just one loss. Fleetwood and McElroy. Fleetwood, yeah, that was it. I mean, they they lost the the Cantlay match, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the one thing I will say is that they dominated the 18th hole. They dominated the 18th hole. Every match that got down to it, we saw Ron make a putt. We saw uh, right back Hovland make a putt to secure the big halves that they needed to take the wind out of our sails. Rose made a big putt that Friday afternoon. Rose made a big putt. I mean, we got down to that 18th hole, and we were one up going into every one of those matches, and we lost the 18th hole back to back to back, and they outplayed us. And Uh, I'll, I'll add to it, they also played the first couple holes better. It seemed like they were getting off to a hot start. Yeah, They started better. They closed better. And the Americans were just chasing in between. We had a bunch of matches that we're up going into the last four holes, and they closed. We we should have closed out a bunch of those matches, and we just couldn't get the ball in the hole. Yeah, that's a pretty cool. I know you've got the same same thing, Mike. But you know, what's that? I said no. I've got different internet. <laughs> well, you may have it too. I'm just saying. I know Mike and I had the exact same screenshot, so I don't know if he sent it to you too. But um, the, you know, five of the top six guys um, for uh, the Euros were in the top or the plus. They all averaged like plus six strokes gain. Homer was the one U.S. guy that was in there at plus five point nine one. But all of those guys that you just named, Mike, Rory, Hovland, Haddon, Rom, Fullwood. So we all are plus plus five, plus six, plus seven, plus eight, plus nine. Hovland was plus nine total strokes gain. Like that's crazy. And again, we we always talk we always talk about in, in match play format how big it is to be uh, a great putter. Um, it obviously wasn't. It's not as important, you know. Looking at this, it's like it comes down to the same things that we always say. It's like total strokes gain. Like how are you from tee to green, you know? And the guys who were at the best, they they won the most points. I think that's a difference, a little bit of match play. You know, when you look at strokes gained, I think it matters different in match play. T to green is a big thing. It puts the pressure on. Um, Especially in forces. It's a little bit different than a a stroke play event in that nature. But at the end of the day, looking at the stats that you're looking at, Jay, it's very simple. We got outplayed. We got outcoached. Um, Luke Donald, I mean, hats off to him. He did a great job with a team that he wasn't supposed to have. Very deserving of a captain, I, I must say. You know, he was probably going to be the captain one of the next two Ryder Cups after this. But he did a great job. And, you know, we can go into this in uber detail. We got outplayed. Mm-hmm. These guys wanted it more. The crowd was on their side. 
Um, they feed off of that crowd engagement, which we've seen historically with the European squad, especially, like I said earlier, when it came down to getting it done, we did not close. The 18th hole, we walked into that 18th hole, and I'd love to look back on it. I would bet it's four to five matches, three to five matches, that we went in one up, and they were able to win the 18th hole and secure a half point, which took a ton out of our sales. When the dust settles, the Europeans outplayed us. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Let's get to our picks. No, I mean, but I think it's again. I know we they got outplayed, but it, it's kind of cool to go in and dig in and dissect. Like, why did they play better? Like, what what did they do that was better? And I think it was it was cool for me to see these stats because I've always thought of match play as yes, you have to hit the ball well, but if you're if you're the guy who's putting better, typically you have an advantage because you're making those putts. But seeing these these numbers. The strokes gain. I mean, Rory, uh, he was minus 0.33. Hovland, minus 0.58. Um, so, the, I mean, they weren't putting terribly, but they weren't they weren't gaining any strokes on the on the 24 guys that were playing. Um, but they went four, one and oh, three, one and one. Uh, and they did that because they were uh, total strokes gain eight and 9.67 respectively. Like that, uh, that's a lot, you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot to be better than the next guy. Like you're, it's going to, you're having a hard time beating one of those guys. If you're only beating them by like a half a stroke with putting, but he's beating you by five strokes T to green, you're not going to win, you know, add it up. I agree. Um, but you know it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see to see. And they the also got they got some great contributions from the bottom of their roster. Yeah, Bob McIntyre didn't play great. He didn't lose a match though. I mean, he kind of rode the coattails of Justin Rose, who did play great. But he was Rose was a question mark going in. Rose, you know? Rose putted his ass off. Um, yeah, Rose he was very well throughout. The other guys putted very well in moments. Yeah, I mean Rose was Rose gained the most strokes uh putting for four point five and nine five. So he almost he almost gained five shots on the field putting. Rose um, putted his ass off, Fitzpatrick putted his ass off. And then you look you know, at you know Rahm and Hovland, they made big putts when the situation was Yeah, when needed to. When they needed Yeah. And Burns actually putted really well, which he is a good putter. Um, he, he's, he is a good putter. He drives the ball well for the most part off the tee and he's a good putter and he's a four iron player. Like you said, Mike, it's, that's his, that's his, that's his weak, weak point. And you can see the stats it's there, you know, approach minus two, two and a half strokes. I mean, he's at the bottom of the, he's in the bottom, bottom third of, of, of strokes gain approach. Why would you put? Why would you pair somebody like that that up in a foursomes match? Like you know these stats going in. These these stats are not any different than we've seen. For, like it's pretty close to what we've seen them the, them do throughout the course of the past year, year and a half, two years. Like you know these stats. It's not new. Like these guys have they kept pretty much the same trend. Jordan Spieth plus two and a half strokes putting. But you look at every other stat. He's at the bottom of the list. Tee to green approach. Everything at the bottom of the list. So it's like, why why would you put this guy? Why would you pair him up with another guy who is who has not been playing great golf than Justin Thomas? Now, granted, Justin played better than he has been playing, but still, if you look at the stats, it, it still wasn't great. Um, I mean, Justin was the worst putter 
which we've known he's he's yeah. putted poorly. He was the worst putter in in the event. He lost five, almost six strokes. He was the worst putter. Um, so why so would you Rose, put these two Rose guys together? Nine. Yeah, why would you put these two guys together? You know, for in, in two foursomes matches. I think I think a little bit it was is ego arrogance that they're like, oh well, it worked so well two years ago. You know, that's stupid. That's stupid. And that, that's that's again. As a captain, now that we have that, you got to take the information you have in front of you and you've got to say, look, I understand you guys like to play together, but it really, the numbers are telling me that it's, it's probably now granted, if all things go great and you play out of your, out of your mind, then yeah, if you win, it looks good, but odds are you, yours, you should be paired with these two guys and we'll, we'll, you know, play, go back and forth and you should play a little bit of golf with these two guys. Cause you're going to match up well. Um, like you said, I know Xander and, and Canley, you guys like each other, but really you need we need to spread you out. We need to spread that their your skill set out with another guy and they can complement each other a little better. Um, you know, it's it's like it's like you know, being a little naive and just not paying attention to all the all the tools that you have in front of you and I, and again, I'm not blaming it all on uh, on Zach Johnson, but if he had done a better job one with the picks, two with the pairings, you never know. It could have been a lot closer. And then and then we could have had a match that we could have had a, a Ryder Cup that came down to the last three or four matches uh, on, on in singles on Sunday. Uh, and that's all you can ask for, especially on the road. Yeah. I mean, they could have still all played like shit if they had the perfect pairings. Sure. sure. But do you do you increase the chances of them playing better, getting a better result by five, seven percent? Like that kind of matters. You know, like when I when I work with when I work with students, it's. I'm like, guys, it's just about getting a little bit better on every shot. Is your is your bad shots 5% better? Then over the course of a round, you're going to shoot lower, right? It's the same thing yeah. as you're just trying to increase your odds in the Ryder Cup. It doesn't say that it's going to work out perfect and they're going to play awesome. But if you put them behind the eight ball on the road, which we obviously know is hard to win, then it's going to be really hard because uh, yeah. they just got never ever got momentum. They almost had it there that Friday afternoon. I was like, oh man, they're going to get this. They're going to win this session 3-1. It's going to be a two-point after getting swept in the morning. It's only going to be a two-point deficit. All right, we're good. And then yeah. they flip all those matches and you're like, oh, it was like the Ryder Cup was over there. I think I even sent out the uh, the old Vince Vaughn gif from the slam dunk competition. When I said, it's over. Like, that was it. Friday, Vince Carter, Friday night. Vince Carter. Vince Carter. Yeah, yeah. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it, like, it, was over. it sucked. I was, it was so depressing. I still woke up and watched the singles matches on Sunday and I was like, um, oh, and they got off to a good start. I was like, okay, anything's yeah, possible. I bought in again. I'm like, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's going to happen. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, it's not what's not going <laughs> to happen. Well, you thought it was for a second there when Homa got up and down after taking the unplayable. It was like, all right, we still have a shot. But as soon as that happened, the red tides turned blue, and ultimately, it was over. Homa played his fucking ass off this week. Homa played his tail off, and we did we did predict it. I don't know, I know McLean, you were in and out of the last pod, but Mike and I both were like, we had a feeling that he was going to have a a good a good a good week, and he, I mean, he did. He, I mean, he was the only guy who played played well. So, so the, for the listeners and for McLean, I'm not sure if you listened last week, but Jay and I picked five of the six same guys in the DraftKings. And the five guys that we picked were right with the top five guys. The only one that I had Morikawa, Jay, you had Xander. If we had put Hatton 
in that spot. We would have won the hundred thousand. We would have won. We would have had like the best DraftKings possible lineup. So we we did nail our picks pretty well. Um, so there was something else I was going to say. Oh, going back to Zach Johnson real fast. What the fuck was he doing when he talked Spieth out of driver on that on the sixteenth hole in that match on the four ball that afternoon? I'm like. What, I can't, I can't, what, yeah. what the fuck? What are you doing? And then his dumbass answer. Oh, I was just giving him data. I didn't tell him. I didn't. I would never choose his club. I'm like, well, whatever fucking data you gave him, he made the wrong decision. Even if you didn't tell him that to not hit driver, like, well, what was he going to do Zach's with the three wood? In Zach's benefit, he hit a bad shot. In Zach's benefit, Jordan he hit a bad did, shot. But, Jordan been hitting driver 100 percent of the time. He's not one of the longer hitters on the team. I mean, Jordan moves it. But he's not Brooks Kepka. You know, and he, he can hit. Have, Jay and I were talking about this the other day. He can hit a slap cut with a driver with the best of them. Like, let him hit the slap cut up there on the, on the fucking green. Yeah. yeah. And he's got a great short game. Yeah. Some of those areas around the greens and some of those areas are, are bad spots to miss in. But he's not pretty fucking Jordan. good with a wedge around not the green. For, not for Jordan Speed. I mean, that, I, I would argue that he is probably the best, has the best short game. Of anybody in that tournament, yeah. When I, I mean, in ter- in creativity, chipping, pitching around the greens, uh, Hovland's obviously coming along strong. But historically, Jordan Spieth is the best chipper. So just get him, get him up there. I don't get care if you blow thirty yards left. Like he has a chance he can get him down. Hell, he may even make it <laughs> with his history. Yeah, you know, just get get him on dry land. Like the last thing you need to do is try to make him stretch a three wood you know, 320 yards downhill. I know it was playing like 30 yards downhill, but still. Um, yeah, I don't know. Was, I, again, that's that's when you just kind of get out of the way. Like, I'm just going to, yeah. hey, you know what to do, buddy. You're a pro. You got a caddy. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to throw any weird thoughts in your head. You do what you got to do. Um, I don't know. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't my, wasn't my favorite uh, captain's pick, or I shouldn't say captain's pick, captain. Uh, not my favorite captain. Um, I just again, yeah, the, I, I, don't, next, I don't have anything against him personally. I, no. Again, I think, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't really. We crossed paths a couple of times, but I never really got to know him. But I'm sure he's a nice guy. But when it comes to being a leader, being a captain, making the tough decisions, and and looking at the data, I don't think he did any of those things well. I don't think he did any of those well, and I, and, and and it showed. Yeah, I'm curious to see who the next captain will be. You know, they're going to have to start going to guys that haven't won majors. And, and I think that's fine, in all honesty. We don't have a choice. Tiger won all of them, you know, 20 years ago. Like, you don't have – we don't have the guys that won one or two majors. It's Phil and Tiger. They won, you know, what is it, 20, 22 majors between the two of them? Is it? 20, 21. 20, 21? 21 majors. Like, I mean, damn, it's not a whole lot for other guys, Americans, that is. And it's like one of the one of the great – European captains in, in recent years with Paul McGinley. He wasn't a former world number one, three-time major winner. Like, get a guy that knows what he's doing, that's respected by the players. He might not yeah. have to win a whole bunch, but if he's been out there, he has a relationship with these guys. Um, Yeah, I think, and this is what I think a, a little a benefit to the Euros. So, uh, Eduardo Molinari, or they call him Dodo, is his <laughs> nickname. He still plays professionally. He's Francisco's brother, but he's also a stats guy coach to all these players. 
So yeah. he has he has the best of both worlds. He's not the nerd yeah. sitting behind a computer crunching numbers, or he's not the former player that doesn't look at numbers. He can kind of blend the two of like because there is it's not just not just data. It's like hey, when I look in this guy's eyes, he's not yeah. ready. Like I think he has that. Plus he has oh, but we also have this data to back us up on this too. And I think that plays a wild role. He'll be a, I, I would think his his brother is probably a captain first, but I would think Eduardo Molinari is probably a captain at some point. Yeah. Over there, yeah, I and I just you know Stuart Sink ugh, doesn't inspire me. I, don't, I mean, I, I was actually kind of thinking this earlier today. I, I mean, I don't I'm know kind of, who. I'm looking through the list. I mean, honestly, I think a great. This is going to be kind of sound sound crazy, but uh, I think Jerry Kelly and he hasn't won a major, but I think this is a guy who could be a great Ryder Cup captain, like. Like he, I, I know he's a little bit older. He's kind of just outside that that list, but like that guy, like these guys would, he could get these guys motivated. And if he surrounds himself with the right people, like people would get around him. Again, you got Phil Mickelson. That's a whole nother story. Tiger, uh, Jim Furyk's already, you know, been a part of that. So I would, I don't, I would be fine if he, if he, if Jim Furyk was a captain, you know. Again, yeah, and I'm fine. I, I, it's it. We're at the point where it's like. It, it, we may have to have some duplicates, you know, like I said, because well, I mean, I would get behind, I would get behind Jim Furyk in a second, you know, and I would play for that guy. And the, the, the guy has to be strong enough to where he's going to look Cantley and Xander in the face and say, Hey guys, you're not playing together. In four you're, not playing. you're not. Yeah. Like, and that's the tough part. And the guys have to respect that. They can't just, you know, I, I feel like the, the players have almost, you know, too much control. I know it was an utter shit show with Tom Watson, yeah, and the players—they started this whole task force. Now the players are more involved, and they're kind of catering to the players a little bit. But you don't have that on the European side. They just do what's best. Yeah, and and I'm not saying the Americans don't, but they don't do it as well as the Europeans. I don't love Stuart Sink as a captain. I mean, he maybe he surprises me. I don't know. I just don't. I, he doesn't strike me as a guy who can make those tough decisions. I think he'd be better than you think. Uh, I think Matt Kuchar would be really good. I think he's one of the next guys in line. Um, I, I would agree with that. Kuchar would be good. Um, but you got to know Tiger's in there in the next four years. I I hope that they do not have a knee-jerk reaction and make him the captain at the next U.S. site. I think he needs to be the captain of the next European site. And ultimately, I think overall, you know, Stuart Sink, I think, would surprise you, but if it was, you know, Stu or it was um, Cooch at the next Ryder Cup, I think that's who we need. So I think it's probably going to be either Tiger or Stu Sink, only because like Coocher or Leonard, who I think I think Justin Leonard could be a decent. I think Justin Leonard. Captain. He's he's a little bit opinionated. He doesn't really care what guys think. I think ultimately Leonard would be good. So if it were up to me, I'd have Leonard. What's Kuchar? I I agree with I, I agree with those. I think those those are the top three that I think would be. I think I think I think uh, Justin Leonard would be a great captain. I mean, he's obviously had some success. One of the greatest comebacks ever. He was a part of made the the long putt. I mean, you know, you've got that history. But he is opinionated, and I think as a captain, you have to have somebody who's opinionated and can make those tough decisions. Um, and I don't feel like. I don't feel like Zach Johnson did that this this Ryder Cup, and I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm preemptively saying this. I don't know if Stuart Sink 
is the guy who can do that. He's a little bit more PC and kind of like, ah, well, whatever. But you got to have a guy that can say, you know what, hey, man, I, I, you're a great player. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from you, but you're not playing well. And I need to pair you up with some, some so-and-so yeah. and you need to sit. And it is what it is. Like they they get absolutely waxed on day one, and Zach Johnson sits in the press conference. Oh, I'm I'm proud of my guys. You know they fought hard. They, like just just get up to the podium and say, "Man, we played like shit today." Yeah, we like, played like shit. We got to turn this thing around if we want to make this a competition. The Europeans are playing well. We're on. Like, wh- why can't you say that? That's not a bad yeah. thing to say. That like, if any American was in the locker room, oh my god, you hear he said we played like shit. Well, you're fucking five down after one day. Yeah, like you should be able to hear yeah. that. You know. My only issue is now I think it's going to be Stuart Sink, at least one of the next two, because the way they've been doing this is they actually spend one or two Ryder Cups as an assistant captain before they get named captain. But we haven't seen Kucher or Leonard have that assistant captain role yet. So that's why I'm like, maybe they maybe they don't. Maybe they should just go away from that and just say, hey, who cares if you've never been an assistant captain? What the fuck does that mean? Like, it's, I mean, like I said, they're going to run out of players. I mean, we just went through only. Only, I mean, we didn't even talk about Bubba Watson, and I know that with his situation is a little different. But I mean, he he does have two majors, and he's forty four years old. He's kind of at that. He, but the only problem with Bubba is he just rubs so many people the wrong way. It's just like, uh, oh, it's just he's not a he's not a guy that I, I don't think a whole lot of guys are going to get behind. But if you look at what they look for meeting the criteria, there's not a whole lot of people that have had a major or multiple majors that are U.S. players that are in their 40s, which is what they go for. Now, granted, he's left the PGA Tour, and, and that may shun him, and he may be kind of you know discounted in that. But well, uh, we'd have to, we'd have to watch some guy. just absolutely massively cringeworthy fucking social media videos. <laughs> oh, my God, it would be obnoxious. I'd vomit yeah. watching these things. I can just see it now already. Oh. Uh. I would, I would, I would. The Justin, Justin Leonard kind of can get that way a little bit, not as far as Bubba Watson. No, I mean, he can yeah, be a little Bubba's... over the top, but, but he would be a way more professional. And I think he's got enough pedigree, and he's at that age where I think um, he's still relevant because he does the announcing, and he still knows all the players. He probably still talks to all the players, so that is a big part of it. Like you, you have to know who who's playing well, who can play well with other players, know their personalities. I mean, that's the whole point of being a a captain. You are the captain. You are the coach. You are the manager. You have to know these guys. You have to know who can do what, who can play with who. Um, and I think he's still involved enough to where he, he could he could be a good coach or a good captain. I I I, I would I would pick him uh at Beth Page over Stuart Sink and and then Tiger. I think you made a great point. Like we need we if we if we want to win for the first time, I guess by the time we go back over there, it'll be 2027. It'll be almost 25 years since 34 won, years. 30 35 years, I'm sorry, on European soil. We need to bring the heavy hitters. We need to bring the big dog. We need to, well, sorry, the big cat. Um, and we need to bring Tiger. And he's that's our chance. We need dogs or a big cat, just not or regular huge, cats. huge cats. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's let's get to the uh real housewives of the Ryder Cup saga here. I'm not gonna explain it. Everyone knows what happened Saturday night, Saturday afternoon with Cantley and LaCava and Rory. What were your your takes on the whole thing? Um, bad luck for Joey. 
bad luck. I get it that he was like, I understand the passion and protecting his player and wanting to, you know, make a statement. I just don't feel like it was the best way of doing so. Uh, I think he showed his ass there on the 18th green or on whatever green it was. Yeah, it was 18. It was 18, right? Yeah, I just think he showed his ass there a little bit. And it didn't, it, it didn't pan out. You know, I, I, I do, I will say that I have more respect for Rory for showing a little bit of his fire in the uh, parking lot. Um, we've never seen him get outside of his normal, calm, cool, and collected personality. I, li- I like personally seeing that he has that fire. Um, but, you know, it was a bad move on on LaCava's part. It didn't didn't age well. Yeah, I got. I'll give you a quick take. He was LaCava. Joey is at fault. He he was doing that. Like, I don't mind him doing the whole hat thing at first, but when you saw that overhead view, he was doing it for a long time, a really long time. Like the rest of the people had stopped celebrating, and he was still doing it in like walking towards the middle of the green. So that was like a good ninety seconds. That's a long time. Yeah, so he's totally at fault. I do think like the the whole Rory hold me back thing in the parking lot was like overdone, overblown. Like, uh, yes, Rory, you can be mad about it, but like, I, I don't know. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, just get get the fuck over it. Because like they asked him about it in the press conference after it was over, and you know, Lacava was doing it because Patrick Cantlay was getting just absolutely killed out there by the fans, and so he wanted to give it back a little bit. And and Rory was like, well, you got to have thick skin. I'm like, well, you didn't have thick skin, Rory. Like, you let this thing fester for hours, and you were trying to fight bones in the parking lot. Like, what are we doing? Like, completely overreacted by Rory. It wasn't but directed at bones. It wasn't. I, I know it wasn't directed at bones, but yeah. Joey was at fault. Get the fuck out of the way, dude. But Rory, like, come on. Okay, you told me. Like, I don't know. It was overreacted. Well, I mean, I- Yeah, Joey should have gotten, I mean, uh, like you said, I saw the exact same clip and it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I'm not going to, I don't want to say you're just a caddy because that's, I I don't, I don't believe in that. I think caddies are an integral part of, of, of the tournament and they're, they're, they really should be more, they should be recognized because they are important, but like as a player, a player or a caddy, like you, a guy's getting ready to putt, get out of the way, you know, like. Get out of the guys getting ready to put to to tie the match. Get out of the way, like. And I didn't when I saw the first view. I'm like, I don't think he's really in the way. And I, I saw the overhead view. I'm like, you were kind of right. You're right in his like. He's trying to line up his putt, and you're like right there in the middle of the green. Like, dude, stop. Get out of the way. Like, and I and I I I actually I know uh, Rory can be kind of a, a a whiny guy sometimes, but he actually stopped and said something to him. On the green, that's probably why he missed the putt because he was, you know, so flustered with it. But you know, why you don't want you don't want to affect another player's performance based on your antics on on a green, like as a player or a caddy. I'm like, you know what, I, you know, I don't want this guy to make this putt, like, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fuck with him while he's trying to make a putt. Then he was like yapping at him too, which made it worse. Yeah. What's that? And, and then LaCava was, like, was like yapping at him too. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude, just get out of the way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's on the green. In Rory's defense, like, I, I, I would, I don't know. We don't know what was said in the parking lot. So, I, who knows what Joey LaCava said back to him? I don't know what Bones said. He wasn't there. LaCava like, wasn't in the parking lot. 
Well, he well, he was yelling. It looked like it was yelling at uh, at at Bones, but then he was it was other people behind him, and I couldn't you couldn't see the the screen. Yeah, they said that the he, way the angle worked. There. It was like oh, you're yelling at Bones and somebody else. So I I don't know what was said there, but obviously he was frustrated with it, and he missed the putt. Um, and I always feel like you know if I if I miss a putt on the last hole and I'm pissed off, you know I'll be pissed. I'll be the first to admit it. But give me about five to ten minutes, and I'll cool down. I'll be good, and we'll move on. So the fact that he was still pissed 30, 45 minutes later, there was there was more words that were said that fired him up. Like because this is a guy who doesn't act like that, and 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 for him to get that fired up that late, something so was some extra extra words were were given. And like to your point, McLean, like I you know I'm like, hey dude, that's the first time I've seen you get that fiery over something like that. And, and sure. granted, I, like I know that. that. I know that he is, and he is, he can be a little whiny. So I was trying to take it with a grain of salt. I'm like, I saw the clip, and I was like, oh god, here we go. What is he? What is he whining about now? I was like, dude, come on, you got everybody on your side most of the time, and then you're going to do stuff like this. But then, the more I read about it, and I was like, okay, well, you know, obviously this was a good good time after they got off the green. Like something else happened. I don't know what it was, but um, yeah, I think what the fact that the the, the, the the, one thing the basis was, you know, Lakava just needed to get out. He just needed to get out of the way. And, and I, I, the fact that he, I think, influenced the match, that's irritating to me. Yeah. Like a player or a caddy. Like, I'm not going to say you're just a caddy, get out of the way again. I don't think that's fair. I think they're important. But if it had been Cantley doing that, I would have said the same thing. Like, Cantley, get out of the way, dude. You had your shot. You did your thing. You played your ass off coming in. Get out of the way. Let him, let him play. You know, there's no defense in golf. Like, you can't get in his way and try to block his putt. Like, so just back off, you know, let him, let him go. One thing if it's a player, it's another thing if it's a caddy. I look at it that way. And I agree that caddies are integral in this uh, entire situation and equation. And, and they are, um, you know, a great influence on the abilities of the player. But at the backside of it, it's the same thing of looking at it, just saying, all right, like, for example, Justin Leonard, when his putt was made over Jose Maria, you know, that was everyone else got involved, but Justin Leonard was the main person um, that ignited that celebration on the green. Had a caddy have ignited that celebration on the green, it would have been viewed entirely different. Yeah. It, Joe LaCava had no place in being out there. Like, know your, know your role. You know, in in the great wisdom and words of the rock, know your role. <laughs> That's a first here for the Merchant Night Golf Podcast. Yeah, quote Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, like I, I'm I'm all for, but like at the end of the day, you're not wearing the jersey to a certain extent, and it's like, look, you need to do that from the side, do that from the fringe. Do that shit from the fringe, holding the flag on the sideline. Tip your cap to everyone that you want to tip it to. No problem. You cannot influence players. You yeah. cannot influence the outcome of a match. You need to know that there is a, as integral as these guys are, you need to know that there's a sideline that you need to understand. There's a reason that coaches in multiple major sports are not allowed on the court, on the field, um, however you want to look at it, there's a, there, there's a barrier there. Mm -hmm. Caddies need to understand what that barrier looks like. 
If he wants to stand on the side of the green out of play and tip his cap nonstop and tell the um, tell the crowd to you know shut up, fine. Doing it in the line of play, yeah, out of line. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. That would be like a football coach standing out there and influencing the ability for the opposing team to hike the ball when it's you know yeah when they're on the goal line you know yeah. and, and it's it's 13 seconds left that that shouldn't have been a part of the game it, it was very ill received and i think ultimately i i respect his passion but it was poorly executed yeah i i agree with everything you guys are saying i just think rory overreacted a little bit to be an hour later and like that's still hot like get over it dude like and uh, here's I mean, the other thing that bothers me too was said i mean bones could have kind of bones can Oaken prop. I mean, obviously, he's a pretty opinionated guy too. I mean, who knows what was said? Um, and we didn't hear it. No one, no one, no, no one Rory, had a recording of it. Rory, to some to the extent, like he he apologized to Bones. He was like, Bones was just the first American I saw that come out of the room, and he was just happened to be the first one wearing an American flag that I went off on, kind of thing. Like he pretty much said that Bones didn't say anything, and he was just getting shouted at. Um, yeah, he, he could easily have just said that to not create another sure. another another uh argument but we also don't know what happened in the 20 minutes leading up to that you know what i mean like rory may have gotten over it and gone to the locker room and put his shoes on gone to the team room and all of a sudden you know he gets reignited by the discussion between players by shane lowry and whatever (laughs) happened um we don't know what happened right before he walked into that instant when the camera started rolling so yeah. he could have been easily reignited by something. A, a something was said. None of us know that. There's not anyone out sure. there other than those guys that were in that moment that could say, right before he walked out there, it got reignited by this. We don't know what that looks like. Sure. I will say that I I I respect Rory more for showing that fire. I kind of wanted I wanted to see him throw a punch and see what he what he what he's got, you know. Can you can you actually can, go? I don't think it would be very good. How many I, don't, I don't think so either, but you never know. I mean, how how, I mean Bones Shane is about six punches. inches taller than Rory. <laughs> I think Shane Lowry could take about 19 punches, Rory. I I I don't like Shane Lowry anymore. He's going down. So here's the other thing that I don't like kind of goes against Rory for me in this whole situation. And this is more of a European thing than a Rory thing. I just can't st- and part of it is mainly the, the European media. The oh, us Europeans, we're so proper and classy, and you obnoxious Americans. It's like, no, your fans do the same fucking dumb shit ours do. Like, I'm sorry. Like th- they think like they've never had been ever at fault, and there's never been a bad cheer in their life on the European side. And it's like, ugh, I'm just so sick of it. I hear it every year. It's just I, I can't take it. And Shane Lowry. It's always in everyone's face. You watch the end of any match, and he's doing more antics on the side that, of than anyone. And it's like he cusses out a marshal, and I'm like, well, I thought you guys were all proper and classy. I thought we were the the assholes. But like, no, you guys are assholes too. Sometimes, yeah, there are great guys on both sides, and I'm not talking about just players. I'm talking about also fans too. Like, yeah, there's a lot of good people. But guess what? Both sides have some fucking dipshits. So don't talk to me <laughs> like it doesn't happen on your side. Like it just I can't stand it. Every two years I have to I'm on Twitter and I see the goddamn European media like, 
Oh, God, that would never happen in, in, in Europe. Well, shut the fuck up. Yes, it does. I watched it for three straight days. It happens in Europe. Like, yeah, okay, so you guys you guys can are more creative than us and, and have songs to talk shit about someone where when they go to Beth Page Black next year, it's just going to be, hey, go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> we're not as creative. I'll give you that, but it's still... Like, sorry, we're just more direct. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't know that. That so that part was like, get over yourself, you Europeans. Like you guys are so full of yourself. Like, oh my god, an American did this on the 18th green. God forbid. Like, shut up. And Shane Larry, I mean, you saw the 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 clip. I mean, he basically turned around and said, "I mean, the, the marshal obviously was out of line. He should. I mean, the guys get he's over the ball. Just don't say anything. Like, if people aren't talking, talking, you don't need to say, be quiet." Like, no one do anything. And then Shane Lowry turns around, like, you're making more fucking noise than anybody else. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right, dude. Like, I think that was necessary. I was like, you could just say, hey, man, I got it. Just cool out. Like, you don't need to, you don't need to get super aggressive. And which he did. I mean, you can see the clip, you can pull it up. And it, it was not a, hey, I got this. Thank you. We got it. Just relax. You don't need to say that. It was, yeah. and again, I don't know if he was doing this over and over, but again, there's different marshals in every hole. So it's not like he had the same marshal following him all the way yeah. around the golf course. So and the guy's a volunteer. This is probably, like this is probably Shane's. Yeah. Probably Shane's first interaction with this guy. And the guy's like, Oh man, I'm just a volunteer. Yeah. I'm just trying to do what they told me to do. Sorry. And then I got cussed out. Now I'm, now I'm a YouTube star because Shane Lowry cussed me out on, you know, at the Ryder cup. But yeah, that was, that was, that was out of line. I mean, like you said, I mean, there's definitely, definitely we've we, the U.S. team is definitely has has their fair of uh, fair share of dipshits, but you know they they definitely do too. He didn't he didn't uh, that wasn't one of his brighter moments, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he probably wishes he hadn't said that. All right, so last last Ryder Cup topic. So the whole Cantlay thing was a report that he was protesting because he wants to get paid and. Um, Xander seems to be in this boat and there's a lot of the report that came out that the tweet that came out from Jamie Weir seems a lot of it to be inaccurate, but a, a little bit part of it is, is accurate as far as far as they want to get paid. I don't think he was not wearing a hat in protest. Um, I do think he wants to get paid though. So there's bits and pieces of this whole thing that it doesn't sound like there was a rift or they were changing in different rooms. Like that does, that seems false from everyone. But this is more of a bigger topic. Should these guys get paid to play? I mean, I don't, why would you not pay them? I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with Jay. I mean, look, it's one of those situations to where the amount of money that is being made off of the event, it should trickle down to the players. I don't know. Some, what that some way, shape, or form. I don't know what that denomination looks like. But on the backside of it, the best thing that I saw out of this was Lee Westwood. It was a European tweeted, I didn't wear a hat because I want to get a tan on my forehead. The reason that these guys aren't wearing a hat is because they don't have to. They're not forced to because they're not under contract to wear a hat during this event to rock the logo. And well, also- Cantlay said it doesn't, doesn't fit him. You've seen a lot of Ryder Cups in the past where Rory hasn't worn them because it hasn't fit him yeah. right. Yeah. I, I think more it comes out, especially from the European side. I mean, these guys grew up playing in gray skies and sad weather. They they didn't wear a hat every day. They yeah. play. It's not like the U.S. where you're playing in sunshine every day and you're beating down the heat on you and you're used to wearing a hat. Um, I think it it really comes down to the fact of whether or not 
these guys wanted to wear a hat. They're like, hey, I don't have to. I have to wear a hat every time I play for however many weeks a year that they teed up on the PGA Tour because they're under contract to put that logo because the number one logo is the front of the hat. It's the number, the highest paid logo out there on the PGA Tour is the front of the hat. So all of a sudden, these guys aren't under contract. They're like, hey, I don't have to wear a hat this week. I'm not going to. I think it more comes down to that. The pay pay for play, I'm not against it. I mean, I don't know what that looks like. Um, I don't know if it's 200 grand. Well, uh, so they get they get 200 grand right now, but it goes to a charity of their choice. It's not it doesn't go into their pocket. So yeah, look, I, I, I'm I, I understand that, but that's not the same thing. We all know that, uh, and I'm good to it going to a charity. Give them 150 grand and put 100 grand toward. I mean, believe me, the money was made. Like it's not like the Ryder Cup was not a um, an event that generated a ton of revenue. It was. Oh, it was a ton of the PGA of America makes a shit ton of money off of this tournament. Like yeah. it's like okay, wait, wait a second. And like, I don't see any of it. What's that? And yeah, don't you see don't see it. it. You don't see any of it. Now and it does go to a lot of great, great causes, and it basically fills the coffers for years for the PGA of America for a lot of their programs. And that, and that and that's great, but like you, you can't do that without paying the 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 actors of of the show. Like, if you want them to keep forming at the top level, like I, I'm not saying that that all that money needs to go to them, and they need to understand like, hey, this is a big event. But some guys, I mean, at some point they're like, hey, man, you know what? It's going to end up turning into like the Olympics. Like, ah, you know what? I'll just pass. Which it sucks. You know, like Olympics and basketball, like guys like, "Ah, I don't want to play. Like, I'm not getting paid. And then they just don't play. So I don't think that's the right way to do it. But I I do think like if you're going to make that much money off of it and then you're not going to pay the players anything, it's like, all right, man, like this is a big deal. There's a lot of pressure on me. It's it's putting I'm exposing myself and and I'm playing for my country. And then but you're going to make money, but I'm not going to make any money. Like it's like. I mean, it's a big deal. Like, I, I think that they should get paid. Like, why should the PGA of America get make all of that? This is the one of the bigger events that they that they host outside of probably the PGA Championship. This is bigger than the PGA Championship. Exactly. So why should they make all of that money and the players don't make anything? Well, like 11, that, money, 20% of the TV deal goes back to the PGA Tour, which the PGA Tour puts into the pension fund. So it doesn't go directly to the players playing in it. It goes to pretty much everyone on the PGA Tour. But they get twenty percent of the TV revenue, which is that fucking doesn't make. Who cares? Like I, 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 I understand that's great that something goes back to the pension, but it's spread out over the the two hundred fifty members of the PJ Tour. That's great, but like I'm the one playing in the tournament. Like I'm the one representing the country. I'm the one under under scrutiny. I'm the one getting yelled at while I'm playing. Uh, when I go play on on foreign soil, like. I'm representing the country. Like they should be represented. You, and they should you could also paid. and Brandall Chamblee made this point, which you guys probably will just not like I'm it sure immediately. I'm gonna love it. I'm sure I'm gonna love it. He he made an argument that I thought was decent. He's like, your exposure in the Ryder Cup makes these guys millions in endorsements and notoriety. And he's like, look at you know, and someone no. not wasn't Brandall, but look at a guy like Ian Poulter. Hasn't really won that much on the PGA tour, but the guy has made a ton of money in his life basically because of the Ryder Cup. But that's still that's great. I mean, I mean, 
but I, I, they still should they still deserve to be paid for playing in the event like what this isn't the ncaa tournament like it's not amateurs versus you know pros like i'm a pro i'm playing you're making money i should still get paid for playing in this like I, do you make money off of your exposure sure and that's all changed now with the nil but like that that's a that's a that's a, uh, a a small small argument in the whole the grand scheme of things in my opinion like you can make points um like that but i think they're they're very those are those fall on deaf ears in my opinion like you've only got 12 guys in 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 the us and 12 guys in the european tour that play in this thing and that's it and you and the pga of america and the i guess it's the rna they make a ton of money off of this event yeah it's a european tour i'm not tour. saying they need to make all of the money i'm just saying they should be compensated for for playing in it. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean, think. I, I don't me, think it's I a big would, deal. I would not playing it, but I, I do think it's only fair to say, hey, you guys all get five hundred grand for playing in the tournament. You know, for for a guy who's like a captain's pick who's played great at the end of the, the you know the the points race, like, hey, man, you're gonna go be. I mean, you're gonna have more viewers watch you, um, and it's not like they're. They're not wearing any of their their own you know branded stuff. Like you said, they're wearing USA stuff, which is awesome. But it's not it's not like they're getting more money for playing in these events. And I don't know if if some of these contracts a lot of them have bonus have yeah. some stuff built in. Who knows how much? But they're not they're not wearing those logos, so it's not really that big of a deal for their. It's not as big of a deal for these sponsors to say, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a bonus if you play in the Ryder Cup," because you're not wearing our stuff, but. Um, I, I, I just, the, any argument to say that, oh, you're going to get more exposure, I think is, um, is it, it's not as big of a deal in my opinion, because I, I, it's, you're the one playing, those guys are the ones playing and, and I, they deserve I, to be represented. I, I do think there's a lot of indirect revenue they make off of this though, because of the exposure. Uh, sh- sure. Sure. Right, I, so I now, so now the agent, that. now the agent one can put in Ryder Cup clauses in the contract for a, a, a sure. you know, $100,000 bonus. They can then go in the next contract negotiation with KPMG or Delta or AT&T and say, sure. hey, now when we when, when Jordan Spieth comes to a corporate event for you, you can now say six-time Ryder Cup stalwart yeah, or whatever, right? So that's yeah, all going to go into They it. play in pays if you play well. Like, why would they not get paid for this for this event? Like what, what? Why does the PGA of America think that? Or I'm sorry, the PGA of America think that? Oh, we don't have to pay for this. Like no, these Euro- guys, Europeans, are going in. Europeans aren't asking for any money. They actually make less off this than the Americans do. They they should be. <laughs> I think they should be asking for it. I don't I don't see why they should they should not be paid for this. Where where you have a you have an organization that makes all of this money. It's no different than the NCAA tournament or the NCAA, not NCAA tournament NCAA uh, the the organization. For so long, they said you can't get paid, and then obviously they they ruled against that. And now you have your NIL deals, and these guys, you're taking the name, image, and likeness of these players, and you're making a ton, a ton of money, and expecting these players to get nothing. Now, I in the past was kind of on the fence about it, but I can see why they ruled in the in favor of the players, and and they obviously can make money off of it. Now, I think this is no different, and it wouldn't surprise me at some point if you see guys say, you know what. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, I'll just, yeah, well then fuck you. I don't want you on my team. If you're going to not play, yeah, because maybe, of it. maybe. And you may get that, you know, and I, that's I, why, I, and that's I, why the Europeans beat us. 
I would I would play. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the right thing, but I could see where people would say that. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to if I go out there and play and I've got a bad captain and he pairs me with a with with Jordan Speed for three rounds and I lose three matches when I play my ass off um, and I look like an idiot and I lose, you know, three or four matches because he, I got a dumb captain. Now I look like a bad Ryder Cup player. Now is that good yeah, that, exposure? You're still a Ryder Cup player. That no one's going to look at the record. He, They're going to say, "Oh, you played the Ryder Cup three times." But ah, well, I, uh, we do scrutinize these players for playing the Ryder Cup and playing poorly. We I mean, we do, but I'm talking about like the general public when they see a guy in a commercial, like, "Oh yeah, he's playing three Ryder Cups," or you're going to a pro am or a corporate event, I, or like you don't know what I, Brian Harmon's Ryder Cup record is if you get paired with him. You know what I mean? Like. I know. I, I think they pay attention to it as much as we watch the Ryder Cup. If you're like, oh, he sucks at the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's played. I mean, people say that even about Tiger, and he's the most. I'd rather guy. suck at the Ryder Cup and play than never be in a Ryder Cup. Maybe, but shouldn't these guys get paid to go do that and to to get you know ridiculed for playing poorly? I mean, I think they should. I'm not saying they need to make you know ten million dollars at each event, but. Again, there's got to be a balance. Like, why would the PGA of America take all of that money and not give anything back to the people who are actually playing in the tournament? Like, it doesn't seem right. And I, I mean, I because there's I don't, there's twelve I, other people in line that would play for, for no money. But that doesn't mean that it's right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pay them. No. Just because you got, I mean, of course you got somebody who's not as good that that didn't qualify. Sure, I'll play. I'll play right now for free. I will. I, I think if they're going to pay but, people though, they shouldn't give it to the captain specs. Only That's the guys fair. that automatically I mean, qualify. Maybe it's a start. It'll be it'll be a start to pay the guys who earn it. Yeah, because then then guys gonna be really pissed off with the captain. Like Cam Young, he's what ninth in points. He's like, I was ninth in points. You skipped over me. Now I lost out on a million dollar bonus or whatever it is. I, like fuck that. I'm I'm cool with that. I mean, you, you got to start somewhere. Like if you earn it, you get this bonus, and you're in. Uh, and that could change how they how to how they determine the captain's picks, but. Again, like I, like I said, you, the, the PGA of America can't make that much money off of this event and not give anything back to the players other than, you know, a free flights and, and gear, which, okay, great. Um, and a potential marketing value, which could be or could not be anything for some players. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not losing sleep for them, put it that way. No, I mean, I'm not either, but I, I do think if I were a player playing on the Ryder Cup and I've earned my spot and I'm going over there and playing and I and I look at the numbers and I'm like, hey, wait, I came here and I I got paid zero dollars to play. And the, the organizer of the tournament makes X amount, which we all know is in the multi-millions. Like, I was like, OK, well, you can't kick anything back to the people who are actually performing and making this event even happen. Yeah, but I think the the event's bigger than the players. No, it's not. The players aren't bigger than the bigger than the event. The, the event's no. bigger than the players. Sure, but but the, the the event is not bigger than players because if you don't have the players, you don't have an event. But there's always going to be players. Well, there's always going to be lackluster players if other players don't decide to play. So you have to pay the players who qualify if you want to it's have the, the chicken best of the egg winning. argument. It's a chicken no, of the egg I mean, argument. No, it's it's not. It, 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 if you don't have the if you don't have the best players playing, then you're going to lose. It's just like it's the same thing with the with the U.S. basketball team. When guys start passing up, then people don't pay attention. It's not a big deal. Like if you want to be, have the best players play, and you want uh, you want to win, then you you've got to find a way to entice these guys to play. And right now they're not they're not doing that. Again, I, I still think players are going to play in it because of the history of the event. 
but I, I think it's only fair to, to give them some type of compensation for doing for playing in the event. I think I have a hard time swallowing it because it's coming from Patrick Cantlay because he seems like a giant turd in the punch bowl who massively overvalues <laughs> himself. Like um, maybe he massively maybe. overvalues himself. He's causing all these issues on the PGA tour. He's going rogue. Everyone hates dealing with the guy. Like, dude, you've never even fucking contended in a major. Like, if you left the PGA Tour tomorrow, no one would care, Patrick Cantlay, because you're not no. an intriguing personality. Well, there's there's definitely talks of him and Xander leaving. I've, I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, they, they've they both negotiated with Liv multiple times from, from reports. Yeah. They've never actually done it. But it's like, go, yeah. guys. If you think you're worth that much money, go. Like, you're not worth that much money, Patrick Cantlay. I'm not. Again, I, I, like I said, I don't think they all need to get, you know, FedEx cut money, $10 million a piece. But I, I do think it's it's only fair to compensate the guys a little bit for going and doing this because it's, it's a reward for qualifying for it. It's like, OK, this is great. You get to represent your country and you, you do get a little cash for doing this. And I think it would it would soften the blow for how much money the PGA of America makes on this thing. Um but it seems yeah. like only this this the only people having an issue with this are Xander and Cantley. I don't think so. I think I think a lot of the guys have an issue with it. They just don't they just don't say it. I mean, in all honesty. Uh, again, I haven't talked to him directly, but I I mean, I know that if you're gonna put that much time and effort into it and you're like, man, it does kind of suck that I'm I'm out here, I'm putting my neck on the line for our for our country. And it, it'd be different if it were no money being made. Like, okay, cool. It's we're going out here for the country. It's it's no big deal. We're all just going out here to play the best we can to represent the the red, white, and blue. But it's like I'm going out, I'm actually on the field, I'm on the course representing the country, wearing the stripes, wearing the stars. Oh, but the guy over here is making, you know, a hundred million off of this event, and I get zero. It's like, wait a second, I'm the one that's they're not saying, oh, the PGA of America, they did such a terrible job setting up this this tournament. They're saying, oh, you played shitty, Brooks Keppel. You played shitty, Jordan Spieth. Um, I'm, you, they're the ones getting ridiculed for it, and then they don't they don't get anything for it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think that's I don't think that's quite right. Man, you are massively pro player, and you're massively <laughs> pro organization and government. So here we are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. got to be a balance. Like, I mean, I just, I, I hate the organizers taking all the cash when, when you're, you've got somebody there that's actually performing. Like, I don't, I don't sit down and watch the NFL to watch, you know, Roger Goodell talk about his, how he organizes the league. I want to watch the players play. Sure. I don't watch the NBA. Well, I don't watch NBA anyway, but I don't watch Major League Baseball to watch, you know, you know, the owners talk about how they organize the, the team. I watch the players. Um, and I'm not saying that you you can't do one without the other, but I don't think one is more valuable in the sense that one can get no money and the other can get all the money. So I understand that you have to have somebody in place to set everything up. You have to have a general manager. You have to have an owner. You have to have somebody who has the money. But I, again, I'm sitting down watching the players play. I'm not watching the organizers organize, you know, and I think that's what we're seeing with, when it comes to the PGA of America and the Ryder Cup. Okay. It seems like that was a tangent. <laughs> McLean, any comments on that? I agree with Jay. <laughs> what a shock. What a fucking shock. All right, let's go to our picks. Anybody want to even finally want to pick this damn event? I mean, uh, I picked them. 
but I don't know who the hell half of these guys are. <laughs> and none of these guys have played at all. Like you have nothing to go off of. You have no idea what their games are like. Seeing us from farms in uh, Jackson, Mississippi this week. Um, I'll, right, go, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. No, I'll go. Okay. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I said it. I'll go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fresh off the power rankings, Mr. Eric Cole, top pick of the event. Running down the list, Tom Hoagie, guy who I think is going to do well. Defending champ, Mackenzie Hughes. This guy I couldn't pick out of a lineup, but he was in the power rankings. Nicholas Lindham, uh, Chez Reeve, and Dylan Wu. So I've got uh, five or six picks fresh out of the power rankings. Chez Reeve is my only wild card, but a guy who I think is just He's going to perform. A lot of experience. Well, the picks are getting real quick and real short. No explanation. <laughs> we don't know any of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's just um, no context to their games right now. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You want me to go, Mikey? Sure. Um, all right, I'll start from the bottom. Robbie Shelton, 7,000. Uh, again, no rhyme or reason here, but I know Robbie's from the south so I'm hoping that he likes the, the grass and the course setup. Um, who knows? Um, we're getting we're getting, we're getting deep. We're, we're getting, getting deep. We're getting deep. I mean, I have no other way to go. Because he likes the grass. Well, I mean, I think he likes the, the type of grass and the greens. I mean, it's all Bermuda, so I think he plays well in Bermuda. So anyway, Callum Terran. Uh, other than he's just a cool dude and he, he had a couple good finishes at the end of the year. We'll see what he does. Uh, Davis Riley, uh, again, he was kind of up and down. He really just met the price point, 7,800 bucks. Go up to Ben Griffin, who had a couple good tournaments to finish the year, but who knows? I mean, it's been three months, two months since he last played. Uh, and then Adam Svensson. He actually, you know, really, really did play well. I, I foresee him finishing, um, you know, in the top 20 this week. I'm hoping he plays well and wins, but uh, I think he makes the cut and has a good finish and accumulates some points. Uh, again, Eric Cole, you guys already talked about him at 10,300. Guys been, you know, playing, playing really well. I don't, have they named, you know, rookie of the year or anything like that yet? I mean, I feel like he was at the top of that list. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he earns that title, but. A lot of really, really good finishes uh, in the last two months of the of the season. A lot of top twenty finishes. So we'll see how he does. I think the the field's weak enough to where if he keeps doing what he's doing, he, he should play well. That's it. Oh, whoops! Sorry, I was still on mute from my blowing my nose and coughing. <laughs> um, so a few of the same names. I'll start at the top. I don't need to say anything because you guys both picked them. Eric Cole. Um, then I go down to Tom Hoagie. I think he's just going to make a bunch of birdies, and this is a 20 under kind of place. And Hoagie can light up the scoreboard. Then all these other guys are kind of right in the same price range. So, uh, Akshay Batia, uh, Alex Norin, Davis Riley, Dylan Wu for no particular reason. There you, there go. you go. There's my expert analysis. <laughs> 
Go ahead and lock those up, guys. Yeah. Well, luckily, this will be coming out on a on a Thursday, so our listeners can't take our advice since the contest have already started when this comes out tomorrow. So that's true. So there's um, definitely a big contingent of late night listeners that are waiting for this to hit the hit the bricks. Yeah. If you think I'm editing this tonight and putting it out, in no way. I'm going straight to bed. Nyquil and bed are in my future here in about five minutes. That's great. Um, so there you yeah. go. I hope everyone enjoys the Sanderson Farms. I know I won't. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch it. I mean, I'll I'm gonna I'll watch it because I'm a fucking slave to golf I've on TV. Loving, I've been loving watching the college events. I've been watching the blessings the last few days. I had that on right now, although it was canceled today. I find a lot of enjoyment in watching those golf tournaments. Yeah. And and I will say this new fall series. I'll be a little bit more intrigued into because there's so much more to play for now with guys trying to climb up the FedEx rankings. Um, whereas the, I think it's the top 10 guys this fall get into the first two signature events, the big money. So there's, there's stuff for these guys to play for, for, you know, they have a chance to play in these limited field. I think they're calling them signature events, elevated sure. events, designated events, whatever you want to call them. Is there a point, like a point, you know, total that they're going to be, you know, displaying each week? Like, hey, so-and-so is on the top of the fall series points. This is going to get him into, which I think will be cool for yeah, people. Yeah, I, and I, I'm not positive. I think their their points don't go to zero. So what they did this season. So if they're 55th right now, you know, they didn't make it into uh, the BMW, the second playoff event. They're, all those points they've earned throughout the year is still there. So they're not wiping everyone to a clean slate. Okay. I'm pretty sure, don't take me at 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure, you know, so those guys that are 70, 80, 90th, they, they got some more work to do to try to get up there where the guys in the 50s are just trying to kind of maintain their spots. Uh, yeah, that's something we need to look into to understand the, the how the point setup is. And I'll be looking for that this week, and I'm sure they'll probably explain it during the telecast. But I hope so. Yeah, that'll be kind of neat to see. What, you never what know exactly golf TV. Yeah. Golf TV sucks. By the way, real fast before we end this, Paul Lazinger sucks. Can we get him off the air? He's terrible. He had four points, and I heard the same fucking four points from him the whole weekend for three I, straight I, days. I I agree. Like I don't I don't really hate him. I don't really love him. I think he's kind of like whatever. He you're nothing. right. It it is. He's kind of he's saying the same things over and over. Sure. And I feel like he's a little disconnected. Like he's not really giving us any insight uh, in what these guys are doing or thinking. I think he's a little too far removed from the current players and their and their strategy. And I think it's making it tough. I know I know it's hard to find people to sit in the booth that can fill, you know, fill that the uh, void and fill that that dead and travel dead around space. half a year and yeah. So they're like, okay, he's not that bad yet unless there's somebody else who's we find that's much better. It was it was like Tommy Roy, the executive producer for NBC Golf said, "Hey Paul, like leading up to, hey Paul, do your little homework, get some good talking points." And he was like, all right, boss, look at I got my talking points. I'm so excited to share my talking points because I did some studying and it was the same fucking four things for three days. Like, hey, Paul, we got it on Friday. Thanks. <laughs> it's awful. Just awful. Anyways, not to mention that the commercial load was terrible, too. Yeah. And you can't fault. Wait, who's what's this match? Who is he playing? Like, I see Jordan Spieth hitting a shot, but who's he playing? Like, 
Yeah, I didn't. I I did not like the 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 bottom right corner was like match one. Like who's match who one? Who's match one? I, I, it was awful. Like I couldn't follow it. It was there was just a bad sports broadcasting company. It it was bad. It was really bad. You, yeah. yeah. For for only having what four matches for the most part, four matches going on at any given time, like you can tell us who's playing who, like somehow you can do a better job than match one. And uh, yeah, you, I, 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 that was one, my one qualm with the whole telecast outside of Azinger. I didn't know who was playing, where they stood. It was just not clearly labeled. It was not, not good. Yeah. Not good. And I get golf's a very hard sport to cover live on TV because play never stops. Yeah. And there's multiple things going on all over the place. It's not one ball right in front of you. Yeah. But, but NBC is bad at it. Yes, well, I'm not good at it. Yes, not good well, at it. Yes, so. All right. I'm tired, boys. I'm beat. Yeah. I'm going to go take a uh, NyQuil cocktail and uh, head to bed. All at night. All right. See you, boys. Cheers. Later, boys. <laughs>